This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. It is Tuesday, October 8th, 2019. And of course, there's all kinds of news, big news about, you know, about uh, China and the U.S. and tariffs and trade talks. And of course, the market doesn't like any of it. Didn't like anything they, they saw today. And we are getting into, let's see, maybe not this week, but probably next week we'll start getting heavier and heavier into the earnings reports coming out after the third quarter. And we'll get some better comparisons as to how those earnings look. And they might be a little tough because of the the slowdown worldwide of economies, um, because of the trade dispute with China and the ongoing the ongoing war, I guess you would call it, on trade with China. And, you know, I think we need to be prepared for not the greatest numbers, but I think they'll be okay. It won't be disastrous. I mean, the economic numbers are not disastrous. They're just, you know, okay, showing that we're just growing a little bit, maybe 2%, maybe. But that's better than most of the rest of the world. That The problem is not this only this China trade. The problem is the rest of the world is slowing down. And you can't put all that on the, the the doorstep of the trade issues between the U.S. and China. Now, of course, you can put some of it there. That's for sure. But not all of it. So the world needs to get it, its act together. They do. China is the worst hit by far. Anyways, um, so today's, you know, the market was pretty tough today, uh, mostly down most of the day and down pretty heavy. The Dow was down 314 points and NASDAQ down 133 and the S&P down 46. So down 314 points on the Dow. It's pretty big. We had a down day last week of 300 points and the rest of the week kind of recovered it quite a bit. So, you know, we're seeing a lot of. A lot of movement on the side, you know, to a sideways uh, in the last few months. I mean, I mean, you can almost go back to May and see that we had fall down from May, back up, a little bit fall down, back up, and now we're back down again. So it's a kind of a choppy sideways movement for that since that period. Kind of interesting. I'm Steve Peasley, and I thank you for joining me today. And I certainly hope you'll call me with all your questions. This is a live show. This is a live call-in show where we answer your questions, anything financial, those kinds of questions. And I'm talking about stocks, bonds. I'm talking about insurance, 401ks, anything to do with your financial life. We'll talk mortgage rates, mortgages, property values. We'll talk about all those things. And, of course, it's all about trying to achieve that goal of financial freedom. We always discuss almost every show because we, whatever that means for you, you know, whatever financial freedom means to you. So what does it mean to you? Now, I, I'm not sure. I have to talk to you about it. Everybody's has different. You'd be amazed how, how varied that term is in people's minds, what it means to them. It's, it's very unusual. Anyway, so I'm taking live calls right now, this hour. To achieve that financial freedom, to help you get there and answer your questions, 888-99-CHART is the number, 888-992-4278. And I wanted to remind you that in a couple of days, I'll be in San Jose. And to be honest, I was in San Jose last night watching the 49ers game, 
because my nephew is on the team. So I now have to go back now. Day after tomorrow, and I'm going to meet with a bunch of people. And I'm not sure if I have a slot open, but you know what? If you want to meet with me, you got to give me a call. Got to check it out to see if we have one. So give me a call or go to investtalk.com and send me an email that you would like to take that slot. If I have one, I'm pretty sure I have one left, but I'm not positive since I don't schedule my own appointments. Someone else does that. Um, so, and also, if you live in Southern California, we are going to have our KPP Wealth Management Conference. We don't have too many of those. We used, you know, we used to have them once a month. Years ago, I used to do them once a month. Up one up in San Jose, one down in Southern California, then back up the, the San Jose area. Actually, it was, yeah, it was in Berkeley. Um, and we did that for several years. But it turns out, you know, with the advent of the internet and the advent of our podcasting, just don't have the demand there and uh, I don't know it just seemed like it was a logical move to um, podcasting to, to do fewer of them but they're still pretty fun to do and on October 12th that's this weekend this Saturday Justin and I will lead the wealth conference at our Irvine California office and the title is uh, earning earning yield in a no yield world. Earning yield in a no world no yield world. Investing in real estate, stocks, and bonds for income. And of course, there are limited seats. We have about 35, 40 people signed up right now, so we're getting close. I don't think it takes much more. So if you're interested in coming, you got to make a reservation. And you do that by going to investtalk.com. My main talking point today concerns a claim made by a high-profile investor. He is warning stocks could tumble as much as 15% by early next year. Now, 15% is not terrible. It's more than we've seen in a while, but it's not terrible. His opinion says the economic conditions in the U.S. are not conducive for risk-taking. Now, could that be correct? So that's what we're going to talk about. That's our main talking point today. Other things I want to talk about. Got to get a little bit more in the weeds on the China trade talks, what's happening there. Um, And I want to talk about the GE freezes workers' pensions. I want to talk about that. What does that mean? Freezes their pensions. Does that mean they're closing it down? They don't have the money? Or what about the people are already getting a pension? What are they putting something else instead? That kind of thing. That's what I want to talk about. And we will stop be using gas cars, gasoline-powered cars. We will stop using them at some point. And we'll probably go to electric cars, but probably over time. So I want to talk about that a little bit. Um, and those are the main talking points. But again, as I told you before, you drive the show. You You tell me where you want to go. And that's where we'll go. Okay. Um, how did the market market do today? I think I mentioned at the top is down 314 on the Dow, 133 on the Nasdaq, and down 46 on the S&P. So it was a down day today. Um, there was nothing horrendous about economics or economic reports or anything like that. This is all about, you know, China. It was all about China today. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and we present this program with five new shows every week, Monday through Friday. 
And of course, we podcast it and stream it live at a four o'clock hour in Pacific time. I hope you will tell your friends and families about Invest Talk. And whenever you have investment questions, I really do encourage you to contact me. You can also contact Justin Klein at KPP Financial, or maybe you know you can explore our podcast library. Listen to those. You can search, listen, and subscribe. And please take a second to rate the Invest Talk podcast at the iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play um, sites. And now I'm taking your questions live at 888 99Chart. The countdown continues. In just four days, the next KPP Wealth Management Conference will be held in Irvine, California. That's right. This Saturday, October 12th, Steve and Justin will lead the event, earning yield in a no-yield world, investing in real estate stocks and bonds for income. Make reservations through investtalk.com. The Anytime Listener lines are open. Steve and Justin welcome your questions now. Call 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve and Justin. This is Eric in Seattle. I had a question about big lots symbol BIG. I was looking to put in a position on this and I was wondering if at these levels, if it looks like a, a good value play for a three to five year hold and if the cash flow and payout ratio look like that uh, dividend is sustainable. Thanks. appreciate the info and I look forward to hearing you on the podcast. Bye. Okay. Big lots. I think a lot of people are familiar with them. Uh, operates 1,401 stores, the, clo- the closeout stores in 47 states. And they offer brand name closeouts and different things, big lots. Uh, so they go out and buy really cheap stuff from other stores that are closing, put it in their store to sell it. Okay. Um, so their, their model is, if you think about it for a minute, the model is not bad in, in, the, in this day and age of Amazon. Because Amazon is crushing a bunch of companies, right? A bunch of retail outlets. And what do they do with their products? Well, one of the one of the things they do that they're sitting on that don't get sold is they sell it to big lots and then they resell it, make a profit. They're making it. They're, they're going. They made four dollars and four cents in two thousand nineteen. Their two thousand nineteen fiscal year is already closed, so four dollars and four cents. It's a twenty dollars stock, so you know five PE. Next year they're only going to make three eighty though, so it's going to go down next year, and then three eighty five a little bump up in two thousand twenty one. So, it's running around 5, 6, 7 P.E. ratio. It has a great return on equity, 24%, meaning, you know, they're very efficient with their capital. Um, they have a great cash flow of $6.98 a share. That's very healthy. And they pay a 5.9% dividend. So, if we take, if we run it off to 6% of $20, that's $1.80 in dividend. And they're making three eighty five next year. So, that dividend is very sustainable at this point. So there's no danger there. So the company is pretty darn healthy, has some debt, but not overburdensome debt. They, they can easily take care of with their cash flow. So uh, you know that I think they're I think they're going to do pretty well, and I think that their outlook now being in the retail space, and we're late in the economic cycle, they've got crushed, right? I mean, they were selling for sixty dollars, sixty dollars in 2017. Now they here they are at twenty. So the, you're asking, is it a good time to buy it? Well, I like the fact that the price is cheap. I do, and it looks like it's retesting the bottom here around twenty dollars a share. Uh, 
I might wait for it to bounce up, you know, a few percentage points, maybe maybe 5%, and that means, you know, $21 or so. I'd like to see some strength in the stock before I buy it, or at least trade sideways. It hasn't done that either. But, you know, it's a good company, really strong. Big lots, symbol B-I-G. Okay, I'm going to take a look at the two-year treasury yield at 1.42%, the 10-year at 1.52%. So that's normal. Gold is at $15.12, ounce, up a little bit today. Uh, oil at $52 a barrel. It's been under pressure for some time, so that's a pretty low price in my opinion. Gasoline on average was priced at $2.64 for regular grade. In California, $4.18. So why do you think it's so expensive in California? Taxes. On July, July 1st this year, California state tax on gasoline increased by 7.5 cents per gallon, bringing the combined state federal tax rate to 65 cents, 65.7 cents per gallon. 65. And California's soaring gas taxes aren't even going to fix the roads. And that doesn't count the special blend that California does in the summer and then get, doesn't do it in the, in the winter. And, and they have to switch back and forth, and we, and which doesn't do anything, this special blend. I, I don't, I've never seen anything that, that makes any kind of difference in the CO2 emissions or anything like that. Another factor, higher prices are, you know, uh, we've had problems with refineries here in California. No other state in the country requires refiners to make as many variable blends than we do. So that costs money. The other factors, higher prices are also caused by uh, California is relying on importing imported oil from Saudi Arabia as all also well. So when the Saudis were attacked, it affected us here, our refineries. So which state in the US has the highest gasoline tax per gallon? It's not California. Pennsylvania, the lowest, Louisiana, $2.31 per gallon. Anyways, this is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and you've been listening to Invest Talk for a while. You've heard me say that I believe every investor should determine their own individual risk tolerance. First step to do that, go to our website, Invest Talk. Take the Riskalyze questionnaire. It's short, easy, no problems. But now I'm ready to take your questions. 888 99Chart. This is Invest Talk, the radio program and podcast dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom. You may be a regular listener, you may even have called a few times, but if you've never called, what are you waiting for? The phone lines are open, and Steve and Justin would love to hear your questions right now. Call 888 99 Chart. Hey, Steve and Justin, this is Travis from Beaverton, Oregon. I'm calling today with a question on return on equity. I uh, was hoping you could maybe elaborate on what exactly that is identifying when you're evaluating a stock. I typically hear you guys bring up PE ratios, which is pretty self-explanatory. Also, enterprise value to EBITDA, you know, that's pretty straightforward. But what exactly are you, you getting at when you're looking at return on equity? Look forward to hearing your response on the show. Appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. Um is a calculation, okay? Um, hmm, definition, let's see. 
Return on equity is a measure of financial performance calculated by dividing net income by shareholders' equity. Well, what's that? Shareholders' equity. Because shareholders' equity is equal to a company's assets minus its debt. So what's the assets of the company minus its debt? That's a share. That's your equity, the company's shareholders' equity. And then, how much money do they make? And they usually explain it. They usually define it by per share, okay, or the total market cap of the company. Here's what it's worth minus the debt, and therefore this is the return. The higher the return, the more money it's making on the assets it has. So remember, it what it is what its shareholders' equity is, okay, is equal to the company's assets minus its debt. So how much is that worth? Sometimes that's hard to figure out how much an asset is worth. How much is an asset worth that is intellectual property? A patent. How much is a patent worth? So sometimes it gets difficult uh, to know exactly what it's worth. That's why you look at return on equity and return on assets. That's why you don't look at one number. So, uh, return on equity is considered a measure of how effectively management is using the company's asset to create profits. How effective it is. And it's usually expressed in percentage. And you hear me say, oh, return on equity is 24%. That's high. What's high? Well, return on equity on some companies or some sectors of companies is very low and some it's very high. Think about it. A tech company, they don't have huge manufacturing buildings and facilities. That's It's all in the head. It's in their employee's head and they develop the software. So, you know, they don't have a huge, uh, a huge plants and properties and all that stuff. So, how how effective their their return and their return on equity should be should be high should be very high okay if you make cars cars for a living that means you have to have plants and parts and all these things your return on equity is usually fairly low if you just make steel it's usually pretty low so that's kind of what you're dealing with there good question don't get those kind of questions too often I appreciate that. Okay, um, let's see. Let me go back to um, stocks could tumble 15% by early next year, according to Jack Alblin. Alblin, and he is a big money manager guy. Crescent Capital's uh, manager, which has $5.4 billion under assets. He believes that market's going to have 15% correction. Okay. Should you worry about that? No. No. I don't, market could have a lot more than 15%. He even gave it a range of 10 to 15%. 10% is a normal correction. So he's saying it's going to be a normalish to a bit, bit bigger than a normalish correction. And he's saying it's going to happen by next year. That's a pretty easy prediction. May not be right, but it's a pretty easy prediction because it would be common to have a 10% correction in the next six months, eight months. Last time we had one was last December. Okay, we're late in our economic cycle. It would be common, especially with all the stuff going on with the dispute with China and trade and the world economies. Actually, I'm surprised our our stock market is holding up, it's holding up so well. And it might be because there's still a lot of cash on the sidelines that's just sitting there. I mean, even even him, if you read his $5.4 billion that he has in management, 
He talks about, well, what are we doing with our money? Well, you know, we have a lot of cash on the sidelines and we're doing private equity kind of deals. Well, that means he's not buying a lot of stock. That means he's already sold it, right? He already sold what he wants to sell. So the next thing he's going to do is buy stocks. And he even says that in his article saying I, he's looking forward to the next fall in prices and then he, he have that 10-15% correction. He's going to be a buyer. Okay, multiply him times all these other money managers and what do you think that's going to do to the stock market after the correction? So this is why I'm saying I don't think you need to worry too much about it. I really don't. If your time horizon's out there a ways, you don't have to think about it. The U.S. Census Bureau has reported that the millennial generation is leaving cities for the suburbs. In 2019, 55% of all Americans are now living in the suburbs. But in our past, we had an even greater suburban migration during the 1950s. And as we go to break, here's my financial trivia question. Mortgage rates today are at their near historic lows. What were the rates, the mortgage rates in the 1940s, the 1950s? What were they? during the time of the first mass suburban migration. We're going to get to that. So give me a call. 888-99-CHART. We'll be right back after the break. From sunrise to sunset. Have a question about gold and silver. From dusk till dawn. So I'm wondering what y'all think. The questions keep coming. I have a question about symbol S. TLD. From down the street, around the corner, and across the country. Hello, uh, Steve Justin uh, Milani here from Bay Area. This is Curtis from Alabama. Hi, Steve. This is Gary from Massachusetts. Invest Talk listeners have one objective financial freedom. Your opinion on Costco. How they get there and when they get there is up to them. I have started investing. But Steve Peasley and Justin Klein can help improve their strategy with unbiased investing guidance. I really enjoy the podcast. I think I'm finally starting to understand the the language and and what to look for. Thank you very much. Listen live or download the podcast, investtalk.com. This is Invest Talk, and in just two days, Steve Peasley will be in San Jose to conduct his no-cost portfolio reviews. There may still be one or two appointments available. You can register now at investtalk.com. The phone lines are open. Steve is here taking your calls live. 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. Okay, mortgage rates today are at their lowest, historic lows. So the question before the break, what were the rates in the 1940s and 50s? During the time of the first mass suburban migration? That was the question. In America's before the 1950s, people mostly lived in cities to be close to the factory jobs. As World War II ended and millions of soldiers came home to start families in 1945 and 46, an unprecedented era of suburban migration began. And Levittown in Long Island, New York, is widely recognized as the first modern American suburb. It introduced the idea of pre-planned, mass-produced suburban communities. Families started moving in Levittown in October 1947. Each uniform-styled Cape Cod home looked identical. 
and they cost about $7,000. So what were the mortgage rates? In America, by 1945, mortgage uh, mortgage rates had bottomed at, at about 4.3%. There was less demand for new family homes when the folks were off at a war. So the, that was what it was, 4.3%. By the end of 45, 1945, America had won the war. Soldiers returned and factories initiated regular production again. Rates steadily ticked up, but remained under 5% until 1956. So between 43 and 5% during the 1940s and 50s. Now, did you know that American suburbs expanded at 47% during the 1950s? So today, at around, what, 3.75% for a 30-year fixed mortgage, that rate is lower than it was back in the 40s and 50s. Interesting, huh? Anyways, I always enjoy, you know, fielding questions. That's what my favorite thing is here. You know, and the anytime listener line is always on. And here's another question that came in at that number, 888-99-CHART. Hi, Stephen Justin. My name is Matt. I'm calling from Massachusetts. I just had a question about CVS stock. I'm an employee, and I've been doing this purchase program where I got 10% off for the past five years now since I've been with the company. So I do get a 10% discount, and it's actually it's a large chunk of my portfolio as a result. It's about 60% of my portfolio. It's been doing really well, and I'm just wondering if I should hold off buying it, seeing as it's such a large amount of my portfolio, and if I should diversify a little more. I also do a 401k matching, and I do a Roth IRA where I try and put about 4500 in each year. I'm 25 years old as well. Thank you very much, and have a great day. Well, I hate it to be—I hate it to be 60%, but at the same time, I love it that you get it at a 10% discount. So my question would be: my very first question is, do you have to hold on to it? So if they sell it to you at a 10% discount today, can you sell it tomorrow and put that 10% in your pocket? If the answer is yes, then no, keep buying it and then sell it. Just don't don't let it increase in the percentage of your portfolio. And actually, you need to start diversifying that portfolio. If they don't, if you've got to hold on to it for a year or whatever, if they have that kind of thing, then I would be I would least at the very least slow down my purchase of it and increase my purchases of other stocks, and trying to get that in a more balanced relationship. Sixty percent is way too high. Way too high. You want it to be 10% or less is what you're after. But as I said, if you get 10% discount and you can turn around and sell and make puck at that 10%, I would. But many of those things, by the way, everybody, many of these discounts, you work for a company and they'll give you a discount on their stock, require that you hold on to a stock for a period of time. Three months, six months, a year. Then you can sell it. They And then that's not... Yeah, you know, that's not because the stock will go down ten percent pretty easily. So you still need to diversify. You would if you don't get any discount. If you can't turn around and sell it, I would stop buying it and or slow it down a very a lot and buy other things to balance the portfolio, build other things up. Okay, eight 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 ninety nine chart. China trade deal talks and they're getting complicated, right? Tariffs. On $250 billion worth of product coming in from China is scheduled to go up 30% on October 15th. It's October 8th. And also, did you notice, uh, the government, Trump, President Trump, is talking about possible restrictions on capital flows. What does that mean? In other words, they may put restrictions on our companies here buying or building factories there, and their companies or factories trying to build stuff here. 
didn't really specify. We don't know. Also, just so you know, uh, the, that's why the, why the market fell 314 points a day on the Dow and 133 on the NASDAQ, 46 on the S&P. The Trump administration blacklisted 28 Chinese companies, most of them in the artificial intelligence, intelligence area, and a lot of them face recognition because they're jailing all kinds of people. For for whatever reasons, and they're using face recognition to track them down to gel them. Uh, you know, it's a lot of you know, not not too much is written about it. But Chinese government just you know will throw a lot of people in jail for very little reason and have very little recourse. And apparently, you know, according to the Trump administration, a lot of Muslims that they're just throwing in the jail. Maybe they're worried about you know. Uh, bombings or something i don't we don't know i don't know i, I haven't heard of many in china but maybe they just don't yeah but they're just throwing people in jail <laughs> muslims because you're muslim oh okay grab out grab those two thousand over there and put them in a detention camp they don't call them detention camps they don't call them jail they call them re-education centers yeah we're just re-education re-educating you isn't that what the Nazis used to do? I think they did. Call them re-education centers. I'm Steve Peasley, and you're listening to Invest Talk. So obviously, you understand the importance of unbiased guidance and experience, mark analysis. I encourage you to consider subscribing to our KPP Premium Newsletter, uh, written and distributed every Friday by me. In the newsletter, you will get valuable information you know, I talk about the week, the market week, and some of the economic numbers and what they mean or what's going on, what happened to the market, a couple of stock ideas. You know, there's, there's a number. There's four sections. It's not long. Four sections. And so if you want to subscribe to it, you can go to uh, uh, investtalk.com or kppfinancial.com. You can find it on either website. And now I'm ready to take your questions at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, and here's something all investors have to deal with. We are living in a no-yield world. So how can you safely get income from stocks and bonds despite a choppy market? You can register to attend the next KPP Financial Wealth Management Conference. Steve Peasley and Justin Klein will lead the event, and they'll be joined by two real estate experts and a trust attorney. Get your questions answered efficiently at one time and in one place. Saturday, October 12th in Irvine, California. The KPP Wealth Management Conference. Seating is limited. Register now at investtalk.com. Hey, Stephen Justin. This is David from Sonoma. Uh, thank you guys again for just doing everything that you do. Always appreciate it. I have a pretty simple question for you today. 31 years old. My main retirement account is mostly just blue chip stocks that all pay dividends. And basically what it comes down to is, does it make more sense to stay on drip when I'm in my early 30s and just letting that ride for the next 30 or so years? Or does it make more sense to take the dividend as cash and at some point turn around and buy other dividend paying stocks? So interested to see what your guys' thoughts on it are. Everything that I buy, I do intend to hold for the long haul. Thank you very much. Bye. 
I don't necessarily have a problem in a DRIP system, D-R-I-P. That's what's called a dividend reinvestment program to reinvest in the stock, blue chip, big blue chip stock that you have. That's what, as long as it's defined as that. But you still have to balance your portfolio. So you can take your DRIP money, reinvest in the stocks in that company, the stock of that company, and do that consistently over a long period of time. I have no problem with that. But every year... You should look at it, and if it becomes too big of your portfolio, you need to rebalance. And that's your problem with the drip system, is it's t- difficult to rebalance, because you got to rebalance all the other money in the account over here, because the drip, you're kind of locked into that. So that's why, you know, that's my only complaint, only thing you have to worry about. So in a dividend reinvestment plan, you're always reinvesting those dividends back into that individual stock that paid the dividend, and there's nothing wrong with that, but you still have to have a balanced portfolio, okay? So if it's getting out of whack and it's because of the dividends, then then you take those dividends and you buy other stocks with them instead of reinvesting in the same company, okay? Hope that answers your question. I like drips because it kind of makes you do it. It's kind of an automatic thing. And I kind of I kind of like that because people tend not to put aside enough money and invest enough money. Okay. Uh, U.S. producer prices unexpectedly fell in September. Cost of produced producer price level fell. That tells you inflation's going down at the producer level, not up. It's the smallest annual increase in three years, which could give the Federal Reserve room to cut interest rates because there's no fear of inflation. So why shouldn't interest rates go down? The weak producer inflation readings reported by the Labor Department today came against the backdrop of a slowing economy and, of course, trade tensions, cooling growth overseas. Yeah, that's why. So the Fed cut rates in September after reducing borrowing costs in July. So two cuts so far we've had. And that was two cuts for the first time since 2008, by the way. And they may, they meet again late October here. So to keep the longest economic expansion on record, which we are in now, in its 11th year on track, they may cut more at the end of this month. And I think they are. Remember I gave you the stat that the Fed has never, when it changed direction in the interest rate, up or down, never did less than four uh, uh, rate cuts or rate increases in a row. They've only done two so far. If they do it again in October, that'd be three, lowering rates three times in a row. So there should be a fourth, if history is any guide. So I think they are going to do a fourth. I could see that easily. I can't. Okay, let's grab another caller question on our 888-99 chart number. Hey, Steve. Hey, Justin. This is William from Orange County, California. I got a question. I'm not a seasoned investor. I would say I'm a below average investor, and I wanted to get your thoughts. I'm looking for a book that I can read to improve my investment skills, and I would love to hear your thoughts on this. Thank you in advance, and I'll be listening on the show. Thanks. Okay, well, I have a book list on my website, but it doesn't really tell you if they're advanced books or simple books. I like, uh, for a, a beginner kind of person, like One Up on Wall Street is a good book. Don't start off with The Intelligent Investor, which is the best 
uh, value investing book out there. Don't start with that. Of course, my book would be pretty good for you. Above Average Investing for the Average Investor. But it's pretty, pretty, pretty simple stuff. But um, I do like um, um, One Up on Wall Street for Beginners. I always recommend that as a good beginner book for people because it's pretty simply laid out as to you know how to find stocks and think about companies and, and think about the stock market. So that would be my number one choice for you to start. Okay, it's not very big. You can, you know, it's not some, doesn't get into all the numbers and nitty gritty of things. It doesn't, which is good. If you want to be rich, the book I like people to read is, uh, is uh, uh, a book by Kawasaki, his first book. And I'm always, you know, I'm always hesitant about recommending his first book because his other books are all about making him rich. And his first book is called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And that just helps you get think of different. The, the, most people work for a salary, right? Well, that's going to be difficult. You can get rich, but it's going to take a long time. But you also can think in terms of, well, how can I make my money work for me? And that kind of that book helps with that kind of thinking, and I kind of like that. But his other books, eh, Kiyosaki, no, I'm not don't care for them really. I really don't. 88899 chart. Okay, a GE freezes workers' pensions, and worker pensions are disappearing. As well. they're, they're disappearing, disappearing in all the private sector world, but not in the government sector. They're increasing in the government sector, which is costing tax dollars horrendous amount of money. Anyway, GE freezes their pension. What does that mean? Well, if you're already on a pension at GE, you're going to get it. You're still going to get it. The same things you always have. What they're doing is if you're working for GE right now and you're under a pension plan, they're changing that. You're going to go to a 401k. They're freezing. You still get the money or whatever it is as of today. Uh, they're just freezing. You're still going to get that when you retire. But from this day one now forward, you have to go to a 401k. And actually, it's a pretty good deal on a 401k, better than a lot of other people. They're going to give you three. They're going to start your 401k by giving 3% of your salary and put that into 401k. Uh, I never seen that happen anyplace else, and they're going to match fifty percent for the first eight percent of money of your paycheck. First eight percent of eight percent of your paycheck you put in, they'll put in another four percent, fifty percent. It's twelve percent. You put in eight, they put in four. That's a pretty decent deal. This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley. We have one goal here: to help you achieve financial freedom. And our work will continue right after this break. We'll see you right after the break. 888-99-CHART is my number. On the next Invest Talk, the U.S. budget deficit is near $1 trillion for 2019. Economists are warning that the nation's $22 trillion national debt is unsustainable. That story tomorrow. But now Steve is here, ready with answers, and he's waiting for your questions. 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve or Justin. I have a question about symbol STLD. I bought a position in this company in about 2015, and it didn't do much, and then it did really great, and then it came back down. And so I was getting ready to get rid of it, 
But I don't know if you have a magic computer and can look at the debt and tell me about the sector and maybe I should hold on to it. I'm not in love with it for any reason. I could probably use the money somewhere else in a better, different stock. Let me know what you think. Thank you very much. Have a good day. Bye. Okay. Steel Dynamics, good question. Manufactures flat rolled structural bar rail steel and recycles ferrous and non-ferrous scrap metals. $6 billion company pays a 3.5% dividend. It's a steel company. You have to start thinking in terms a little bit wider. Open your, your eyes a little bit wider on the economy. Where are we in our economy? Where are we in the economic cycle? Because we always are in a cycle. So the cycle can be long or it could be short. We've had a long, long, the longest expansion cycle in our history. So that's why you hear me say we're getting late in our economic cycle. And what doesn't work late in economic cycle is steel companies. They don't work very good in late economic cycles. They work rest the coming in the middle of an economic cycle. So that's why it's having trouble now. Went up to 50. Today is at 27.62. 27.62. And that's why it's not doing so good because it's late in the economic cycle. But it's already fallen close to, you know, 45%. So now, is it too late to get out? It pays a 3.5% dividend. Now, sales growth in the most recent quarter, and we already have that in, June quarter. Um, we, no, we don't. That's June quarter. So that's mid-year. Sales were down 10%. Chances are high it's going to be down again. Again, because we're in the late economic cycle, and as a matter of fact, we know the world is slowing down, and therefore the demand for steel is going to go down. So it wouldn't hurt my feelings if you sold it, but it wouldn't hurt my feelings if you could ignore it and leave it in your portfolio for the next three to five years, and you'll be fine. But it'll never be a huge winner. It will not. Just not the type of stock. You live by the dividend. Thank you for the question. Appreciate it. 888-99-CHART. Okay. We are going to stop using gasoline cars, everybody. Just letting you know. And we're going to move to electric cars over time. And there's the rub. Over time. Over time. We, if we stopped using every gasoline cars and we switched to electric cars today and provided our grid, our, you know, we could supply the electricity to the car, which we couldn't right now. But if we did... Do you realize that it would only cut the CO2 emission by a third? Because we're going to still be needing and using oil and natural gas and other things that produce it. So uh, we are going to move to cleaner cars. It makes sense in many, many ways. We're still not quite ready. They're not ready for prime time, in my opinion, because they don't. Two, the two factors. It takes a long time to, to charge them. And they don't go far enough on a charge. Now, you can spend a lot more money and put more batteries in it. I just think the technology is pretty close to being prime time, but not quite there yet for everybody to want one. And when that happens, these cars are going to go down in price. And therefore, it's going to attract more and more regular people. So I do think it's going to happen. I really do. And I think it's a good thing. I mean, we want it to happen. Um, but it's going to take a long time. Our grid, our power grid is not ready. 
you know, to, to have everybody, everybody plug in. It's just going to be a process. It's, it's as simple as that. Just like gasoline cars were a process. Too bad when we they first came out with with uh, steam-powered cars, they didn't stick with steam-powered cars because that would have been a cleaner way to go way back when, you know, in the early 1900s. So, But then we went to gas. So, And it took us all the, what, 100 years of gasoline cars? You know, and we built all this infrastructure around everything. So... It will happen to go from gas to electric, but you just got to, it's got to take time. And of course, if you want to ruin the economy, you can make it happen. The government could, but we don't. That makes no sense. But it's going to happen by simple economic forces. I'm Steve Peasley, and this completes another Investop program. I will return tomorrow, and I will be in San Jose Thursday. Also, please remember to register for the KPP Wealth Management Conference coming up this weekend. It will be on Saturday, okay, 9 to 12 in Irvine. Please sign up. Go to investtalk.com. Have a great night, everybody. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART. 888-99-CHART.